Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. It is Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and that means it's time for the happiest hour and the time I look most forward to every single week. It's Friends in Fiction. Welcome to our show. We have so much to look forward to tonight. I am Patty Callahan Henry. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. And I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support independent booksellers. Tonight, you are the luckiest. You get to meet Kwame Alexander. He raps. He writes poetry. He writes novels for adults and kids. He's won the Newbery Award. He is such an inspiration. And we'll find out what inspires Kwame and much more. As you know, we started Friends in Fiction to support independent bookstores and starting with Mary Kay's launch um, last week. For the next few weeks, we've partnered with Warwick's in beautiful La Jolla, California as our featured independent bookseller through the end of October slash November 1st. (laughs) Warwick's is the oldest continuously family owned and operated bookstore. So we see them as an ideal partner for our mission. And we're going to keep encouraging you to shop local and shop small by buying from Warwick's all month long. We'll be offering you special opportunities along the way. They have added a whole slew of Kwame's books to their, um, to their friends and fiction page. So it's easy one-stop shopping and his books as well as ours make great gifts. (laughs) All right. So you guys, I've finally done it. I have convinced them to come join me in Florida. It's only taken me a year and a half, but we're doing it. Did you know that Christy, Patty, Mary Kay, and Meg are headed to Florida to join me? We have a string of four events together in late October. As part of Mary Kay's, Patty's, and Christy's book tours, we are hitting the road to celebrate the Santa suit, which just came out last week. Uh, Patty's Once Upon a Wardrobe, which comes out October 19th, and Christi- Christie's Christmas in Peachtree Bluff. And I am joining them as a moderator slash evil interrogator. Um, we will be in the bus. What's that? Driving. We better oh, be I, not convertible I, is all I know. Yeah, I, I'm picking you up in it. Can't you tell? Uh, we will be in St. Pete, Tampa, Punta Gorda, and Sanibel. You can find the information on each of our individual websites, as well as our Friends in Fiction newsletter and website. And it is a great, four great opportunities to catch all four of us together. Will Florida ever be the same? I mean, this yep. is the first event when the five of us, including Meg, We'll be together in person with each other at an event. I have been waiting 19 months for this. It's going to be awesome. 
It's big time. And we're going to have fun, special swag as per usual. So if you buy the three of our books at um, any of the events, you'll get a fun tote bag. And actually at Patty's launch, I believe you get a really special um, candle if you come to the um, Paris market event. So that's going to be really exciting. And then um, Patty has these adorable gift tags. If you buy a book for a gift, I've got some fun bookmarks. Mary Kay has seed paper Christmas ornaments. And of course, we're going to make Kristen talk about The Forest of Vanishing Stars. And if by chance you have not purchased your copy, now is the time. And if you already have, you need to get one for a friend for Christmas. So that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. And Kristen, we we think is we're going to let her moderate. We have no idea. What <laughs> we're going to let her moderate. You are Bad right. decision. <laughs> Bad decision. I know. She's going to be the female equivalent of Florida man. We don't know what will come out of her mouth. Never know. <laughs> anyway, we you never no know. Idea. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I will bring. I'm bringing the road trip snacks. Yes. But before, <laughs> wait, who's in charge of wine? I think um, that's. I mean, I, it's 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 a home game for me. So I'll bring the wine. Okay. I I okay. feel like Kristen's kind of our wine expert anyway. Yeah. So like, it makes the most sense. Did you say wino yeah. or wine expert? <laughs> there's going to be some industrial strength pre gaming. I can just mm. tell you that. I'm in. I'm and in. you can show up at the events and then game with us. We'll pre game and then you yeah. can game. Yeah, I like but it. before I introduce our extraordinary guest, we have some super exciting news because our beloved Mary Kay Andrews hit number 10 on the New York Times list with the Christy, how did you even get her son just turned 10? Yep, Jinx. <laughs> I'm just that good. I got all the numbers so that whatever number she hit, I would have the right one. Awesome. <laughs> Actually, we'll just turn 10. So it was a happy coincidence. Not on there. I what actually what have a big banner that says happy 10. I'll take a picture of it for you so that you can post it. Cause I really feel like that's pretty pertinent right now. That's pretty good. <laughs> yes. You. Well, we're really proud of you. Thank you, you guys. Um, well, you're all a part of the success of the Santa Soup. You know, we went we went away on a um, writer's retreat to ebb tide on Tybee Island uh, in November, almost a year yeah. ago. We talked about Christmas books. I said I was not going to write one. <laughs> <laughs> then I drove home and I got the idea and I started texting. So you all are a great part of that. And I think so much of it has to do with our amazing friends and fiction community. It does. You know, I was on tour last week and so many of our folks came to my events, told told me what friends, excuse me, the dogs. The dogs are excited. excited They're too. excited about number They're nine. celebrating yeah. too, Kathy, Mary Kay. They're celebrating too. Yeah, so many friends and fiction members came to my events, told me, what what Wednesday nights meant to them. And so I'm just so, so very grateful for everybody who who bought the book, wrote about the book, checked it out of the library, pre-ordered it. And if you didn't, buy my book, damn it. <laughs> Did you not see the hashtag? <laughs> oh. Kathy, we're Mary Kay, we are so excited for you. you. And and I knew it. I mean I could feel the momentum. Toast. Toast. 
Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> and um, swallow of wine left. <laughs> You're gonna have to get some more. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna text the wine butler wine, yep, to uh, ask him, Mr. Mm -hmm. MKA, if see if he'll bring me up. He's used to this. Me texting saying wine. <laughs> you think he could bring it to us? By the way, yeah. it's like yeah. yeah. I bet we're not that far from that technology. Just like no. shoot it through the screen. Yeah. Virtual yeah. wine. Transport the wine. Okay. I want to Kwame. He's the man. I want to introduce yeah. your yeah. guest. Kwame Alexander, the New York Times bestselling author of 35 books, including his newest, Light for the World to See, but also Rebound, Swing, Booked, The Crossover, and the Poetry Collection Out of Wonder. Mm. Kwame is a big nothing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean he does it all and i'm i'm really kind of envious he's a poet an educator a publisher an author he's received received numerous awards including the critic scott king author honor the lee bennett hopkins poetry award three naacp image award nominations and the 2017 inaugural pat conroy legacy award i was there when he got that Oh, yes, that was wow. very cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. His middle grade novel, The Crossover, won the Newbery Medal, and his novel, Booked, was long listed for the National Book Award. Kwame founded the publishing imprint Versify in 2018. And during that year, he also opened the Barbara E. Alexander Memorial Library and Health Clinic in Ghana with Leap for Ghana, which is an international literacy program he co founded. Kwame is also a writer and executive producer on the crossover TV series based on his best-selling novel, Coming Soon to Disney+. He's also a regular contributor to NPR's Morning Edition, and he lives in London, where it is very late right now. We're so sorry, Gosh. Kwame, yes. with his family. So we're so we're excited so to have him. <laughs> hey! Hi, Kwame! He's awake. He's awake. We're I'm awake. We are so grateful you came, even though it's now past midnight where you are. Yeah. Hey, the things, the things you do for your friends. It's That's all right. good. It's, it's writing, it's fiction, it's it's um it's wine, it's New York Times bestselling. Congratulations. It's yeah. Yeah, it's all good. I feel like we should break into that song, The Things We Do for Love. <laughs> it's not Wednesday night if we don't sing off key at some point. Okay. It's true. We're so excited you are here, Kwame. The last time I saw you was right before the world shut down at the Savannah Book Festival. Yeah. Oh, wow, that was the last time we saw each other? Yes, three That's years so ago, cool. four years ago. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is so cool, yeah, yeah. Well, I am going to get us started. So in 2018, I love telling you about yourself while you're here. So just bear with me. In 2018, you had Swing, Rebound, and The Right Thing come out. One about jazz, one about basketball, and one about, well, writing. Among your many other books and your huge list of poetry and novels. But right now, I want you to tell us a bit about Rebound, as it is a prequel to The Crossover, your Newbery Award winner and TV show on Disney+, Plus. before we dive into some of your other works. So Rebound was written because st students were asking me, for a sequel to the crossover. Okay. We wanted to find out what happened to the brothers in the story. Yeah. I was like, I can't write a sequel. I don't know what it's going to be. 
But I got this idea that maybe I would write a prequel. Love it. So I had I had a contract from my publisher and the book was due like in January of 2016. And and by like September, I hadn't finished it. And then I got we know that feeling. Been there. Yes, you know it too well. <laughs> and then by like January, I hadn't finished it. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna have it done by April, I promise. And, and then April I didn't have finished. And so by like June, the publisher was like, Kwame, you gotta turn this book in. <laughs> and I was like, and and of course I had won the Newberry Medal which is like the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. So I was like, I won the Newberry medal. Give me a break. (laughs) We sold a million books. Give me a break. But it was only so long I could use that. So I I had used up too much in my You used up the Newberry. (laughs) Yeah, I used up the Newberry. So they were like... Newberry Goodwill. Yeah. Thank you. So they were like, "August, August 31st, we need the book. So... So I'm I'm working on the book. I'm I'm pounding away. I, I go on a Disney cruise with my kid in August, beginning of August to Alaska. Oh, I, I did go, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Disney cruise from, to Alaska. So from fun Vancouver, from Vancouver. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> and so then I come back from Vancouver and I go to um, what's that town? It start it's, it's the the first syllable is Bell, Bell in Washington, Bell Haven, Bell Haven. Bellingham. So I go to Bellingham to stay at this, this place called the uh, the Chrysalis, which is where I, I would go every summer to stay for a week. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So it's like August 17th. I'm almost finished. I get I get home back to Herndon, Virginia. And my dad says, you got to come home. Your mom's not doing well. Oh. So I, I drive three hours south to Virginia Beach. When I get to my mom's house, the ambulance is there. Hmm. And and she's in the ambulance, and my sisters and my dad are all standing around. My mom says she wants me to ride to the hospital with her. I'm like, "Are you all right?" And she's like, "Uh, I don't know." You know, she's been in and out of the hospital. And we get to the hospital. She's in she's in the uh, intensive care unit. Hmm. And we're talking. She's like August 25th, and the book's due on the 31st. And so on the and so. We're in the hospital and I'm sitting with her and, I, and I'm working on the book. I'm sitting in the chair. She's sleeping. The next day, she wakes up. I talk to her a little bit. She sleeps. Her brother comes. She talks to him. I'm sitting in this chair in the hospital. I haven't gone home. I'm working on the book because it's due in like four days. And the next morning, she has a stroke. And then she can't, like, she can't function. She can't move. And so, so I'm feeding her, I'm giving her the straw so she can sip the water, and she but she can't talk, and so she's sleeping and resting, and 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 then I'm I'm sitting in the chair and working on a book because it's due in three days, and and then the next day they have to put her on a breathing machine. Oh gosh! And and I'm just freaking out because I don't I don't know what's going on, but I know I got this book due about this. This 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 boy who was dealing with the death of his father, and he's trying to figure out how to rebound in his life from that. Wow. And so I, my sisters come, 
and the doctors tell us there's nothing else they can do. And they say, you know, you're, you need to make a decision. And my sisters and I decided we're going to take her home to her house because when her mother was sick, she took her home so that her mom could die at home. So we take her home the next morning, it's August 30th, and we're in her house, so dealing with hospice and just getting things in order. And so my sisters are doing some stuff and I'm working on the book and I finish it. And my agent was like, why are you pressed to finish your book? Your publisher will understand. I'm like, no, I got to finish this book. And so I press send and turn in rebound. And at 8.30 p.m. that night, she passes away. Oh, wow. And I realized that I needed to write and finish this book so that I could tell this story about this boy who was having to rebound from the most devastating thing in his life because I was now about to have to do that. Oh, wow. wow. So this was a situation where the writing was was therapeutic and cathartic and and needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where, that's, that's how that book came to be. Wow. Maybe your mom, maybe your mom will do to finish it because a mother will make her son do what she wants. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of us us know that from personal experience. We can will, we can will a son Mm -hmm. to do what we tell them to do. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, but it's been, it's been like that my whole life, Mary Kay. Like she's been the one right pushing me forward. The women in my life, from my mom to my grandmothers to my aunts to, to my, my wives. Can I say my wives? Yeah. (laughs) If you need to, you can. Yes. (laughs) That's another question. To my daughters. So, yeah, the women, you know, the full potential of a nation cannot be realized unless the full potential of its women is realized. Yeah. Thank you. Aww. Thank you. Somebody. That's beautiful. Somebody. Hashtag clip, baby. <laughs> somebody hashtag that, man. Golly. Hashtag that. Okay, so now, Kwame, this is a hard thing to do. How do I switch gears? How do I follow that kind of a thing? Yeah, right. So let's talk about your swing. Yeah. Um, I understand that you have said it was the hardest book you ever had to write. It's about jazz music and baseball and love and social justice. And you've incorporated all these amazing poetry styles, free verse, acrostics, haiku, and the pacing of like a soccer match. How did you pull that off? And also, don't let me forget, I want to ask you about the intersection about the place where jazz and baseball intersect. So, first of all, I thank you for the question. I say that about every book that it was the hardest book that I ever. Wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, baby. I'm with you. I say it about everyone. Oh my god, it's so true. I also, <laughs> yeah. I also say it was the best book I ever wrote after every book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that's my thing. Um, and of course, sometimes I'll get sidetracked and forget the question. What was the question? <laughs> I was asking you how you pulled off all these incredibly diverse forms of poetry and prose in your novel Swing. Gotcha. So first of all, I had a great 
co-writer who wrote with it with me. Her name was Mary Rand Hess. And we wrote that book together. Um, it, it was it was difficult to write because of the ending and spending all this time with this character and and and, and being able to, to to write a story about a, uh, a a character who you fall in love with and you hope your reader falls in love with. Um, and so so it was challenging in that regard. But I love mixing it up. I love writing. I love hybrids. I love writing in different, you know, forms. You know, I think the form sometimes um, is dictated by, you know, the plot, by the character, by the voice, where you where you are, what you're trying to convey to the reader. And so, so I am, and I, you know, when I started writing novels in verse, I knew I just wasn't going to write, you know, books that told stories uh, through poems that were all sort of free verse or mm-hmm. rhyming or just one thing. I needed to be able to have a little bit of, you know, fun and diversity and, 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 and excitement so that I could engage readers. And I found that being able to write a list poem and then a haiku and then a, you know, and then a free verse poem and then, a, you know, so I found that that sort of helped with the engagement of telling the story. Where did you get the confidence? Huh. I'm intrigued with where ah. you, No, as as somebody who's, you know, plagued with self-doubts, I love that you just decide, well, now I'm going to do haiku and now I'll throw in some rap and now I'll throw in... How? Because who else has done that? Has anybody else done that? I mean, I'm sure... I mean, I'm inspired by a lot of different poets like Langston Hughes, yeah. who, who was who was a musical music, blues, jazz inspired his writing. So, right. Um, I I think so. The confidence comes from this brings it full circle from my mom. I um, oh, that's so when I when I was three years old, we lived in upstate upstate. We lived in um, the the. Uh, the Upper West Side, upstate. Oh. It was on the Upper West Side in New York, of Manhattan. And so I went to a school called Riverside, uh, a, a daycare. And right. so my favorite book as a three-year-old was um, was Fox and Socks by Dr. Yeah. Seuss. Yeah, it's a good book. Socks, Knox, Box, Fox mm-hmm. and Socks, Socks and Box. Mm-hmm. I love this book. I memorized it. I knew it from front to end. I wanted to read it constantly. And so one day at Riverside, the, at the end of school, I wanted to impress my mom who was coming to pick me up. So I built a house out of wooden blocks. Oh, well, this wow. kid in my class came and knocked over my blocks, Christy. And so <laughs> I went up to him. Rude. Only weapons I had. Rude. I went up to him with my weapons, which were my words, and I said, those were my blocks that you flipped. Lest you want a quick payback, better fix my quick block stack. Oh, and so when my mother came to school, the teachers were like, Mrs. Alexander, we have a problem. Your son is arrogant. He intimidates the other kids with his words. What? And my mom said, thank you. We teach him to use his words. So wow. I think I did very early age that words were powerful they could transform wow. you and I need to be able to use my words 
So I felt confident about using words, about making words dance on the page from a very early age, even when I couldn't articulate it. All right, now talk to me about the intersection of jazz and baseball. And I, I, my husband and son played baseball. My grandson's playing. I have a love of baseball and a, an appreciation, not much knowledge for jazz. And I kind of have an idea where that, but I would love for you to talk about where those two things intersect in swing. Well, think about it like this, Mary Kay. You got saxophonist, trumpet player, percussionist, pianist, singer, vibraphonist. You got the pitcher, you got the catcher, the first base, you got the shortstop. You got all these people who are on this stage, on this field, and they each have a role and they each have a responsibility. And at some point, each one of them is going to be able to solo, is going to be able to shine. And everybody else, everybody else is going to step back and let them do their thing because they're working for the benefit of the whole tune. Yeah. And the idea, Mary Kay, is that jazz is a metaphor for democracy. Ooh. Jazz is how we really need to treat each other. Right. Dang, Kwame, dropping the truth, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> and is, that not, is that not what happens on the baseball diamond? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, the other thing I was thinking about is to me, and I'm not, I, I don't follow any other sport, but to me, baseball has this majestic rhythm to it. Yes. And once you get in that rhythm, if a player gets in a rhythm of a game, like a pitcher gets in a rhythm or a batter gets in a rhythm, then it's poetry, right? Yep. Poetry yeah. emotion. But, you know, to Kwame's like, point, it, it only works when we're working together. That, I, that's such right. a great metaphor. That's it. Amazing. Yeah. Speaking of working together, you have co-authored, it. you co-authored that book. You yep. co-authored the book about Muhammad Ali with James Patterson. Right. And you co-authored a book of poetry with our friend, this ex-South Carolina poet laureate, Marjorie Wentworth, called Out of Wonder. So for this discussion, I thought we'd bring you a little surprise and have Marjorie uh -oh. pop uh -oh. on and ask you a question. What? Marge. Marjorie! Sister Marge! Brother oh, I love that. Okay, let me introduce Marge for those who don't know her. I don't know who doesn't know her, but Marjorie Wentworth is the former Poet Laureate of South Carolina and a dear, dear friend. She is the New York Times bestselling author of Out of Wonder. Poem Celebrating Poets with Kwame Alexander. She is the co-writer of We Are Charleston, Tragedy and Triumph at Mother Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. And that is one powerful book mm -hmm. with Herb Frazier and Dr. Bernard Powers and Taking a Stand, The Evolution of Human Rights with Juan Mendez. She teaches courses in writing, poetry, social justice, and one of my favorites, banned books at the College of Charleston. Marjorie, welcome, my friend. 
so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so tell us about Out of Wonder and then ask Kwame almost anything you want to ask him. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, that's dangerous, but no, I'm only kidding. Um, so Out of Wonder, Poems Celebrating Poets, we wrote with another poet friend, Chris Colderly, and uh, the idea was to pick the poets that we really love to read and find a way to bring those to younger readers. Um, because often the poems that you get in textbooks when you're a little kid are written hundreds of years ago and they're really difficult to navigate. So we put this book together and we were really fortunate. Our publisher chose this amazing illustrator, uh, Equa Holmes, and we wrote poems that either imitated the style of the poet we loved or poems that paid tribute to them, were in their voice. And we tried to really think of a wide range of poets. You know, we honor all kinds of poets, um, going back to the Sufi mystic poet Rumi, to contemporary poets like Nikki Giovanni and, and Billy Collins. So it was really a, a really fun project. And, you know, teachers and students love it. So so anyway, um, it was really fun, fun project for us, Kwame, right? So my question for Kwame is, and, and um, I have a lot, but this one is, <laughs> is, uh, is the one that's top of mind. So you once gave a, a presentation somewhere where we were together and you said it was sort of based on the idea of just say yes, mm. right? I mean, you said yes when you got the invite to Ghana, you said, you know, so... How, with all that's happened to you and all that comes at you, how do you keep the spirit of just say yes, but you must have to say no to so many things? How do you make those decisions now? Because I really can't imagine how much comes at you. Well, I said, so I was going to say no to being on Friends for Fiction because <laughs> I was just so busy. But a certain person texted me every day for a year, Kwame, you got to come on, you got to come on, you got to come on, you got to come on. Who <laughs> will remain nameless, Mary Alice Moreau. But <laughs> the deal is, the thing is, I think sometimes, Marjorie, in order to say yes to yourself, you got to say no to other people. That's um, a great way to keep it. So, so I try to say yes to myself. We got to have a tattoo and, and, of and that. Sometimes, sometimes that works mm -hmm. in, in for in my best interest, you know, when I need to say no to someone else, but I got to say yes to myself first and foremost. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. We all, we all need to hear that, right? That's great. Oh, nice. man, I yeah. need to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then Kwame, mm -hmm. when you realize that you have to say no to someone and you're saying yes to yourself, the second part of that is not feeling guilty for that. Exactly. Right? Yes. Oh, I haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I feel so guilty and think about it so much that I'm like, if I had just done it, it would have been easier. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe it's like yes. a muscle, like you keep exercising your yeah. no muscle. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> also, it's like, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, it's like when when you're they say if you're on a plane with a child and the plane's going down, you've got to put the oxygen mask <laughs> on yourself before you put it on. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, if you're not taking care of what you need, how can you really do all this other stuff, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Mark, I'm curious, because I remember when y'all were writing this and I was at a, a big function where you guys read from it. And do you, and I remember asking you this and I don't remember the answer. Do you have a favorite poem in the book, yeah. Marge? 
Oh, I, no, I love all of them. They're all Jeez. so different. I mean, the variety is what makes it kind of amazing. I, I love all of them. And it's really fun to go into schools and um, share poems that Chris and Kwame wrote. And then they, the kids don't know the difference. By the way, they think that we did the art, you know, no matter how many times you tell them. Tell them you did the <laughs> um, So, no, I love them all. I love them all for different reasons. Well, Marge, you're so sweet for stopping in. Thanks, my love. It's great. Good That's see not you. my Good dog see barking. I'll see you soon. I'll see you yes. soon. I hope so, Kwame. Yep. I love. Okay, bye bye. So, Kwame, Marjorie mentioned you saying yes to an invite to Ghana, which I think was something that it sounds like really changed your life. So I would love to ask you about that. Um, I know you co-founded the Leap for Ghana initiative, which I think you co-founded after visiting Konko. Is that, is that the name of the village? A That's village right. in the Eastern region of Ghana. Can you tell us a little bit about that initiative? So the idea was um, I had gone to participate in a ceremony where a friend of mine was becoming the queen mother of a village. And wow. she just wanted me there with her to, to document it. And so I went, fell in love with the place, discovered it's a small village in rural Ghana in the Eastern region in the bush. Um, and it's about 200 kids that go to this school that has no walls, no ceiling and, and no, and no books. They didn't have any books. Wow. And so, so I made it my sort of mission to, to, to get them some books. And so I went back a couple times with some friends, colleagues, took about 5,000 books that I had donated wow. and built a, wanted to build a library. So I, mean, I didn't have any money. So I turned a closet into a library. Like I turned a, a closet into a library. We built shelves you know, me and some of the men in the village and, some, and, and our friends. And then we came back maybe the next year and our li our closet library was sort of like a, a storage closet, you know. Just, okay. Just, okay. So then I was like, we got to really build a library here. So over the course of a couple of years, we raised about 40 grand wow. and, and, and hired a, um, uh, a librarian in the States who designed it. And then the men in the village were going to build it. And so around 2017, it was supposed to be complete. And I've been seeing pictures of it. Um, it's progress, but I hadn't been back to see. And then I took 18 teachers and librarians from the States with me for the unveiling of the library. And we get to Ghana. Everyone checks into the hotel I go to the village, which is about two and a half hours away from Accra, the capital of Ghana, where everyone was staying. And I get there and the library, there's no ceiling on it. There's no floors. There's no furniture. It's like 40 percent done. Oh, wow. So I'm freaking out because I brought all these people over to Ghana to see this library that was going to be done. And, and we ended up having a library 2.0 or a or, uh, uh, what did I call it? It was sort of a beta or, or, you know, in progress. So we had a ribbon cutting to, to announce that it's in progress. And so we saved it a little bit, but I was still frustrated. And afterwards I talked to some of the elders in the, in the village. And I said, what's up? Why, why didn't y'all finish the library? 
and they said, it's no bother. It's no worry. It, it will be done, Kwame. It will be done. And I said, no, no, it's not done now. It's $40,000. It will be done. And so I said, well, did you not want the library? Did you not want this, this temple of books, this place of, of learning and imagination? Temple and of books. Temple yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, didn't you want that? And he said, yeah. And I said, he said, I just looked at him and he said, you know, we could have used a health clinic. Oh, wow. It was sort of in that moment, Kristen, where I realized yeah. that I never asked them what they wanted. I sort of went in there with my sort of Western good intentions yes. and told them this is what you need. Yep. And and so over the next year, um, I worked very closely. And a, a year later, we opened the Barbara E. Alexander Library and Health Clinic. That is incredible. Is Barbara, your mother? Is Barbara, Barbara your mother? mother? Oh, my gosh. I feel like we keep coming back to your mom tonight. I love this. She just sounds so – I, I wish we'd oh known her. She sounds incredible. She sounds incredible. She must <laughs> She must be so proud. She must have been so proud. But, um, you know, one of the things I've read that you've said, which I think you just kind of addressed, is I realized you cannot expect to teach a child to read if they are not well. You can't go into a community and dictate what they need. You have to find out what they need. And I love that you found out what they needed and you took action. You did something about it you, and and not just did something about it, but I think it sounds like it shifted the way you thought forever, which I think is really profound. Um, and in a way, I feel like your writing follows that same pattern. They give us something we need to feed our souls and kind of give us a reason to become better, more deep thinking people. So I wanted to ask you this. Um, you've won all these awards. You've won the Newberry, which allowed you to extend your deadline for more months than any of us could uh, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lucky you. So, I have that in our pocket. Yes. <laughs> new, new, new career goal. Yep. Um, but so, so I want to ask you, though, you've done all of these things that are just these massive literary successes. Would you say that you're striving for something bigger? or broader than that in general? Is there is there sort of a life goal you have now, having seen what you've seen and knowing what you know and realizing the influence you might have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a blessing. And, it's, and I guess maybe it's, it's a curse. Um, but I literally believe that I have the capacity to change the world one word at a time. So uh, I I am on this mission to to help young people imagine a better world. I'm trying to you know I you know I, Nikki Giovanni was my professor in college and she told me you know you know you're too didactic you know and so I've I've spent a great and I disagree with her she was right but I disagree with her. I've spent a great deal of my life trying to to remedy that desire to want to beat you over the head with this message. And I think I finally figured out how to how to be entertaining, how to be interesting and and still be inspiring and empowering. And so that is my that is my goal with my writing. And. And so, yeah, I want, I want, I want to, I want to do, I want to help us become better human beings. Yeah. 
through, through the literature. That's my goal. I feel as if not only better, but your work, and for me, especially in the poetry, it's not just about being better human beings, but more whole. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, wholeness hit the center of your work. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, speaking of being better human beings and more whole, I love the transition there. We (laughs) have to talk about light for the world to see. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. A thousand words on race and hope. It has been called a rap session on race and a lyrical response to the struggle of black lives. But it is also about the power of collective hope. So can you tell us about this beautiful volume and the inspiration behind it? I mean, you pretty much just did. (laughs) (laughs) What else is there to say? You pretty much just gave us a summary of the book. But I don't want to grab. <laughs> <laughs> like where 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 do I go from here? What what inspired it? What inspired it? I mean, light for the world to see. A thousand words on race and hope. I mean, in a in a real con, I guess a concrete answer to that question. What inspired it would be, um, during the lockdown. Um, in particular, the spring of of twenty twenty, um, I I I just felt like perhaps I don't know if you all feel this that you know. So my goal, my mission is to change the world one word at a time. Yeah. And I felt like maybe words aren't going to work anymore. Like, Ooh. how are words like? Uh, Christy, how are words going to stop bullets? Yeah. You know, like how are, how are, how is poetry going to change a verdict? Like what's the, what is the point of what I'm doing? Mm. If these things in our world are still happening, if, if, if I have to worry about my nephew's life being wiped away from this earth, like, like sand in a windstorm. Yeah. Like, what's the point of poetry? And so I went through that phase where I'm just not going to write wow. because it's not it's not doing anything. And and then I remember um, coming across this poem, this uh, quote from Toni Morrison. This is precisely the time when artists go to work. There is no time for despair, no place for self pity, no need for silence, no room for fear. We speak, we write. We do language. That is how civilizations heal. Amen, brother. I felt like I just went to church. And I read that and I was like, I got to write. I got to write. And so I wrote Light for the World to See. That's amazing. See now, that's the answer I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, nailed it. Patty to translate it. That's all right. we need to try to translate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It happens right. a lot. I need to translate a lot for them. It's kind yeah. of part of my mission here. <laughs> part of your job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is so powerful. I just usually if we can dig down to the inspiration, especially with you, man, we can get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. our viewers also love to dive in with us. And we have loads of live questions, and there's no way we're gonna get to them all. Um, but Mary Kay, could you pull one, my friends? 
You're muted. You're muted. MKA, you're muted. She's talking to herself. She's having She's a great just having a too. With herself. No, the dogs were barking. The dogs mm. were barking. So I've <laughs> muted myself. Um, somebody is asking, Kwame, what do you like to read? I like that. Oh, um, I, mean, I, read everything. I read everything. So, I, you know, I read, you know, love poems by my bed. You know, I'm reading, uh, I read audio. I listen to novels uh, audio as audio books on my walks. Cause you know, London is a walking city. Right. So I, do, I do seven mile walks a day. So wow. I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking Hyde Park and Regent's Park and Oh, I, and so I'm listening to audiobooks. So, That's awesome. um, but to, today I was uh, I walked to Sloan Square to pick up some eyeglasses. Cool. Let's see them. Oh, oh, this right. is like this is like your third eyewear change during the show. Oh, I'm glad I really, yeah. I love a good costume change, so I'm like really, like I'm here for, like for it. Stanley Tucci glasses. Oh, they're kind of a good way. You're yeah. rocking the Stanley Tucci glass. Yeah. Look, so today, what? okay, what's, what? on the, what's on the hat? Icon. 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 Yeah. Yes, you are. So today I walked to Sloan yes, Square and I saw this store. Now tell me, you all, you all are writers. You're in the industry. You gotta know. You gotta know Tashin books. Tell me, you know Tashin. Oh yeah, beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I have them all over my coffee table. Me too. Yeah. So, 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 so passion, they got stores. Yep. They have stores. So I went to one of the stores in London today and they had this huge book about so Muhammad gorgeous. Ali. Huge uh, book. Did they? Gorgeous photographs. It was 4,000 pounds, Batty. Oh, I was no. Four thousand pounds. I was like, I'm so glad Friends in Fiction is paying me to be on there tonight. <laughs> Yeah, please tell all our other guests that we paid you a lot to check, come on the check show. Check is in the mail. Don't worry. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I hope you bought it on consignment no, for I Friends didn't. and Fiction. I didn't buy it, but we had a, they had another Ali book that was about this size, like a, like like twelve by twelve by twelve. Okay. And that was a hundred pounds. So I bought that. So oh, I'm reading that. Cool. So I read a lot of different stuff. I read a lot, and I read a lot of children's books, picture books, and stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's so interesting. You're so you're still so into reading about Muhammad Ali, even after you've written a book about him. I know, right? That's it's amazing. Like, yeah. yeah, I just I just watched the documentary that Kim Burns did. Yeah. On PBS. Oh, it's just oh, so 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 inspiring. I was trying to get my son to come on and tell you how much he loved the book, but he won't do it. He won't <laughs> do it. What's his name? He's nervous. Well, his name is Will. <laughs> Will, we want you. Will, come on, Will. <laughs> he just turned you. 10. It was just his birthday, too. I know. I know. 10's the lucky number tonight. That's the lucky number. Right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Okay. I feel like this has been one long, glorious writing tip, mm-hmm. but we would really love a writing tip from you. Mm-hmm. A writing tip. You see us all leaning in. We're, We're all leaning in here. Secret. I feel like I've gotten a lot of like life tips tonight. Also, I know more so really tips like. No, but what what we really want to know is how to win the Newberry Awards, so we can also push off our deadlines. Right. If you yeah, could right. help us out with that, that would be yeah. super. Right, right. right. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. Um, 
Let's come back to that. Okay. Yeah. All right, Chris, do you want to pull a live question? <laughs> I work on a sore. I'm sore and author. So um, Barbara Wojcik wants to know, and I echo this, can you tell us what you're working on now or is it top secret? Oh, no. Um, so I left Houghton Mifflin Harcourt and then they got sold to HarperCollins. Yeah. And then I just did a new nine book deal. Wow. Seven books for kids and two for adults with, uh, with Little Brown. Wow. Whoa. So I just turned in three of those books. What? And uh, one of them, and I, I say this about every book I've written, as, as Mary Kay will remind you, um, this is the best book I've ever written. Hands down. It is, it is, it is my, it is my, uh, it's, what is it called? What's that, that Latin word? Magnus opus. My magnus opus. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, and it is set in 1860. Oh, fascinating. And, and, and shall I read some of it to you? Please. Please. Yes. Yes. This will replace our writing tip. Go for uh, it. Yeah, I should okay, say. Great, yeah. great, great, great. <clears throat> <laughs> there was even a time many seasons ago when our people were the sole supplier of the purest and most valuable gold in the world. The river was bedded with enough gold to make a century of royal stews for the kings and a thousand shiny bracelets for their wives. Then came the waterfalls. Then came the wonderfuls, disguised as friends and students of our way, with only one lesson to learn, how to steal our fortunes. But we fought them off, protected our rich land, our river, it flows to the east into the mighty Prague, which travels over 150 miles down to the Cape, where it drains into a vast blue unknown that we call the Big Sea. On the rolling sides of the river are deep forests and farmlands and villages and a boy of the same name. You see, on the morning of your birth, 22 seasons ago, your mommy squatted at the edge of the water and... The river carried her eighth child on its shoulder at first breath. It is true, I was there, that you stopped crying as you floated off like a ship inching toward the horizon. The river grabbed you with an invisible cord wrapped around each moment of your day, held you like a mother cradles a baby, pulled you like the moon does the earth. Ever since you and the water have been bound, river and sun, wave and flutter, that is how you got your name, my grandson. There was even a time as how my father's father Nana Mosi, the village storyteller, begins most of his fireside tales, always starting in the middle of a thought, like we were to know what even came before, always speaking in slow, deliberate spurts about the past, like it is, like it is, like it lives in him, like it still matters, always repeating something and pausing at other times, and with a toothy smile that raises one eyebrow, right before the thing he knows we cannot wait to hear, though he is nearly 80 now and seldom speaks. When he does, I hang on to all of his words, the lulls in between, and I remember the stories like a pigeon remembers its way home. I oh. I feel breathless. I just feel like I... I just feel like I re-experienced a new reiteration of Hamilton. I mean, wow. and you wow. were saying you didn't rap. When are you going, when are you going on Broadway, Kwame? That's what that's, that's what everybody out there wow. is wondering to themselves. When does that happen? Wow. Kwame, that was a 
song. That was a poem. That was a rap. That was a, that was a sermon. That was amazing. Does it have a title yet, Kwame? Called The Door of No Return. It's about a 12 year old boy in 1860 who's an amazing swimmer. And, and that's all I'll tell you. Door of No Return. I love it. Wow. Can I wait to read it? Okay, we're going to have to send you that check after all. Like, yeah, I, I know, know, right? And you know, think you'll get that Muhammad Ali book now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you'll give you our credit card information after. Text <laughs> you. Give me my cash app. Awesome. You don't um, mind Bitcoin, right? <laughs> Bitcoin. Do you take friends in fiction money? It's sort of like monopoly money. Less. Somebody's Somebody proposing to you on here, Kwame, by the way. Got, Kwame's got, next time. You have a lot of love interests tonight. There have been a lot of comments you coming do. up. I've like, never seen I have this, a crush she, on Kwame. I've never seen that before either. Viewers. Yes, Look a do. little scandalized. No, no. <laughs> we don't get that, Kwame. I know. I know. Nobody wants us. Yeah, I have gotten zero marriage proposals on Friends and Fiction. So. Zero, and that's that's really the only reason I do this show. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kwame and everyone else, stick around because we have one more thing to ask Kwame. And of course, um, I know y'all were freaking out when Facebook and Instagram were down on Monday for so long, like a thousand years. We were freaking out too. So we want to remind you that we are always also live on YouTube. So run on over there right now or click over there and subscribe. So if it goes down again, you'll have a place to watch us and sign up for our newsletter so that you'll always know what's going on if that happens again. That's right. And we also want to remind everybody to check our Friends and Fiction Writers Block podcast. We'll always post the links under the announcements each time a new one drops do you like how i said that how like you know what you're talking about oh, like yeah. a, a podcast, our podcast drops okay <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's totally different from this show so if you like hanging out with us here we hope you'll love being with us there every friday this past week ron block our rock star librarian talked to me about christmas novels including hello santa suit the number 10 new york times bestseller the santa yes. suit just fyi exactly. <laughs> And this week, Ron and Patty talked to appropriately with Kwame visiting both poetry and novels with the author of the blockbuster Serena, Ron Rash. And you guys, what is there to say about the book club? We love the book club. They are over 9,000 members strong. It is run by Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner. And on Sunday, October 17th, they'll be celebrating with Patty with a pre-pub day brunch at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be a preview of all things Once Upon a Wardrobe, which is going to be our next huge bestseller here. We are sure of it. And then on Monday, October 25th, they are talking to Paige Crutcher about her new novel, The Orphan Witch, which just came out. And of course, that's a debut novel, which we're just so thrilled that they selected as this month's book club read. So don't miss out on the party because you guys, who wants to miss? out on a party never me never party patty so (laughs) next week join us right here at 7 p.m as we welcome tasha alexander a best-selling historical mystery writer and her husband best-selling author andrew grant otherwise known as andrew child who has recently taken over the wildly popular jack reacher series from his brother lee child and then in two weeks Join us to meet Alice Hoffman, 
Magic is a foot. As we celebrate her, the book of magic and the release of Once Upon a Wardrobe. And if you're ever wondering about our schedule, it is always on the website and on our Facebook banner. Speaking of the Santa suit and Once Upon a Wardrobe and we weren't speaking of Christmas and Peachtree Bluff, but we could speak oh, yeah. of that too. So the yeah. three of us um, have new fall books out and coming out um, shortly. And um, our friends at Oxford Exchange have partnered up with us to bring us um, a season's reading gift pack. So you actually get all three of these books. There's an option to add Kristen's The Forest of Vanishing Stars, as well as any sort of Friends and Fiction merch. We've got our wine cups, our t-shirts, all sorts of good stuff. Something fun and new that we're going to be announcing in a couple of weeks that you can add in there. So this is the ultimate holiday gift for someone you love or for yourself. Or best of all, you can shop like I do. One for me, one for you, one, <laughs> one for me, me one, one for you. So um, check that out on Oxford Exchange or on our website under the merch link. And don't forget about Warwick's being our book of the month. And all of Kwame's books are there. And they, too, look really great with the ribbon around them. Yes, they do. So, Kwame, I know we talked a bit about your history. And I love how your mom showed up tonight. Yeah, I feel like she has been here with us yeah. and that she has influenced this entire evening. And I'm loving that. But I want to ask you something that people ask me when I tell them how much I love poetry. How would you define poetry? Would I define poetry? Mm -hmm. I am... Um, I wrote my first book of poetry in 1994. Wow. It's a book of love poems. And I knew that I had to get out on tour to promote it. I didn't have a lot of money, but I drove all around the country with a friend of mine in his minivan, went to Nashville, you know, to Chapel Hill. We sold books, Detroit. We sold books at subway stops, churches, community centers. Um, just selling books out of the trunk of his van. And his, he was selling his visual, he was a painter, he was selling his artwork and I was selling my poetry books. That's awesome. Wow. Ended up going to California, to Los Angeles, and was, um, I had like four, three or 400 books in the back of my trunk. And I had, um, I, was, I, was, I went to a church and I was going to be signing books in the gift shop at the end of church. So my hope was that I'd be able to sell all my books and that wasn't going to happen. Three or 400 books. Nobody knew who I was. They were, and so the pastor was going to announce, we have a poet. He'll be in the audience. He'll be in front of the gift shop after church. And that was it. Nobody would, I mean, maybe I sold five or six books. Nobody knew who I was. And so at the end of the sermon, the pastor said, we have a poet who's visiting us today. Kwame Alexander, would you like to come up and share a poem? Wow. What? So it's this church, it's like four or 500 people. And so I go up because I'm scared, but I know, you know, my favorite word is yes. <laughs> yeah. So I go up, and I, I'm in the pulpit and I look out and see a sea of beautiful black women in church hats. And I proceed, the book is love poems and they're suggestive love poems. So oh. I, proceed to, I, re, I proceed to recite this poem. I have never been a slave yet. I know I am whipped. I have never been to Canada yet. I hope to cross your border. Uh-oh. 
I have never traveled <laughs> underground, yet the night knows my journey. If I were a poet in love, I'd say that with you. I have found that new place where romance is just the beginning and freedom is our end. <laughs> it was complete silence until a woman in the back yelled, Hallelujah! <laughs> I sold 300 books that day. <laughs> I don't, I don't define poetry. I just read it. Yeah, I let it do what it's supposed to do. And you feel what it, you're going to feel. And yeah. that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> you're maybe not supposed Mommy, to feel that in perfect. church, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, they mean Song of Solomon. Come on. That's a pretty sexy. Right. Some, that's some sexy stuff. That's pretty spicy. That's pretty spicy. That's true. That's a really... You're a story. You're and amazing. we do notice you have another pair of glasses on. Okay, so <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. And wait, wait, it's over? I still got seven yes. more pair of glasses. <laughs> I know. Like, and, and not only that, but it is in the at morning. least one in the morning there. We know yeah. we have to let you go. And thank you for sharing from your new book and talking about your mom yeah. and talking about writing for something larger. You are a wonder. Thank you, Kwame. Thank you for visiting us. Thank Thanks you all for having you. me. Thank you. Thanks so for being nice. here. Kwame. You're amazing. Get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Now, everyone out there, don't forget to stay for our after show. And one thing we really want to remind you, as we did before, we are on YouTube and every week we're here live. And if you head over to YouTube, you can pick out the writing clips and you can see small clips from all our shows. Now, come back next week. Same time, same place as we welcome Tasha Alexander and Andrew Grant. And we'll see you a minute at the after show. Holy moly macaronis. Oh, he was so great. He was so great. Yeah, that was, was amazing. Such a great show. Such a great show. And wow. Like, yeah. don't I feel like a hack? <laughs> right? Like when you read those words out loud, it was like being yeah. able to string those words together like that. Pretty I can't imagine that. I it's can't. Amazing. I'm just so in awe of that mm -hmm. talent. Yes. Yeah. That you, not only does your brain yeah. bring together those words yeah. in an impromptu way, yeah. but then you're able to um, articulate them. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, I, it's pretty astounding. I'm so glad he shared at the end, though, that 25 years ago, he was driving across the country selling books out of the trunk of a minivan because like yeah. that, I, I just, those are the things that grow us as artists. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's he, true. Had, he had the difficult times and he figured out how to, how to make it through those times and how to, how to be true to himself and true to his words and reach a bigger audience. And then from there, he figured out what to do with it. Like in, in a way that could change the world. I just, it, I, and when the pastor said, yeah. Oh, sorry. And when the pastor said, come up and read a poem, he didn't say, I can't. No, I can't do that. He, said, yes. he just yeah. walked up there and read yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's funny. Sense. It was funny timing because I was thinking earlier today about just the things that people go through, the things that we've done. I mean, the yeah. things that when you really, really want something, when you want it badly enough, the lengths that you will go to, to make it happen. Yeah. And I mean, that's an example, like selling, 
you know, and I sometimes I think I, I think I won't speak for all of us. I think I forget. I think we all forget like kind of what those really early days were like. And it wasn't even that long ago, but like just to look back and think about like, you know, where, where we came from and where we are and, and the journey in between and what that was like. And I don't know, that was a great show though. Even the, um, like even the language we use sometimes, you know, like pub day or the list Mm -hmm. or, um, big box. Like Mm -hmm. it reminds me of when I was in, you know, a nurse, you rattle these words off like Mm -hmm. other people are supposed, but there was a time when I'd be sitting around with authors and they'd say things like, you know, pub day or, um, or co-op. And I'd be like, I'm too embarrassed to ask what they mean. Now we just, yeah. Just say them. Yeah. Yeah. I could honestly, all the whole time he was speaking, I honestly, I kept thinking about, I saw Hamilton. Um, this is my one credit, my cool street cred. I saw <laughs> Hamilton on Broadway in previews. Oh, by, wow. That's cool. Just by a fluke. Um, I was in New York for a conference and I had nothing to do on a Friday night. And I, and I, I didn't know anything about the show. And, but people were saying, oh, this is going to be a hot show. You should try to go. Yeah. So I I hung out in the lobby and got some turn back tickets and I was sitting in the audience and they, you know, the curtain goes up and it's this multicultural cast and they're rapping about the American Revolution and, Al- and Alexander Hamilton. And I'm like, I don't get this. I don't get this. I don't know what I'm doing here. Then all of a sudden, yes. the power of the words. Yeah. And the rhythm and the drama. And I honestly, I th- when he was reading that last uh, piece of his new work tonight, I'm like, oh, my God, that's a Broadway show. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. From your lips. It's amazing. Yeah. So, Howard, are you so excited about the list? I we said to you, we are so say, proud and so happy. Can I bring out I, a 10 one more time? Like, I, I, also, I also love how you just referred to Hamilton as your one piece of street cred. Like, I also yeah. feel like maybe being... Number 10 on tonight's list. A little bit of street cut. Just just saying. Don't I love how Christine was just prepared. Completely. Yeah. She's yeah. always prepared for everything. It was just, Okay, so how many days until we see each other? Uh, you know, I'm not good with numbers. Okay. Um, week and a half. It's three, it's 13 days. And okay. I'm so excited to see y'all, but the fact that it's 13 days is freaking me out. Too, well, that like, too. That too. Endless proportions. There's a lot to do in the next 13 days. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. In fact, we should go do it. I love y'all madly. Love you. You did Thank such you a good job tonight. Hey, don't forget to, if you're still watching the afterwards, go and buy Kwame's books from Gordon. Yes. Please support yeah. him. Yeah. For more weeks yeah. too. Yeah. And go pre-order Patty's if you haven't. It's coming out yeah. in like Christmas. it's coming out in like a well, but Patty's is coming out in like a hot minute. Yes. Yeah. It is yeah. out in um one week and six days. I just got my final copy at um Little Whale was back here a minute ago and he was like, Mom, this seal on this book is awesome. Like behind me in the that's cute. I know that's Molly awesome. is spending the night here for the past four nights because her house is, as she puts it, infested with COVID. Yikes. She's the last man standing. So she's 
sleeping over here and she's like eyeing it. I'm like, yeah, you can read that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, sleep. She should be it. And then you have to tell me what she thinks. I know. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. That was amazing. Congratulations, Kathy. Merry night, everybody. Congrats. Thanks. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.